0: Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morse, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. We are definitely excited about what's this 21 days of prayer and what God is calling to us starting on the 10th. And so, um, uh, a question was asked to me, is like, what are you expecting? And... And my first thought was, I'm not sure yet. I, first thing is just to be obedient, but um, and then the thing was brought to my attention is like the one thing we've we've kept talking about, you know, that we've experienced in other places is the, the is an open heaven, and for there to be the supernatural to happen happening on a on a regular basis, uh, the create, an open heaven needs to exist upon us. And so sometimes when people talk about a lid that we've had in times past over us, sometimes we tend to think of the, the lid as um, something that we, you know, push off. And, and to an extent, yes, but to another extent too, um, it's something also that the Lord breaks over us. And, and when that begins to break, what begins to happen is, is, is more of the open heaven, less of a, a so-called veil, if you will, between earth and, and, and the heavenly realm. And so that's one of the things that we're going to be praying for is is the open heaven. And also, um, it's not just something that happens and then goes away. It's something that should happen, and then it, the people should be able to maintain that. Okay? So there is there is work on our part when we're talking about an open heaven is how do we sustain, you know, this idea of an open heaven over us. First of all, it, it's—we it's, it's, talk about the church. It's It's not— the building, it's it's us. We just gather together in the building, like we've talked about. So, really, what has happened is when a group of people come in unity to dwell amongst other, and everybody has has this idea of an open heaven, so to speak, amongst us. Then God honors that, just just like He did in in uh, the Book of Acts about two thousand years ago, when they're all in the upper room praying one accord, one th- same thing, going in the same direction. Right? They're praying the promises. And so just as it was uh, 2,000 years ago, I, I find it fascinating that, that people uh, would say that there's, the gifts are, are only for then, Because the gifts didn't really come in power until after he left and the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit has never left us. And the Holy Spirit has never stopped working and so the Holy Spirit is doing the same thing today that he did 2,000 years ago when he came upon the earth in power upon the disciples or the apostles and the women and children and everything. And if you look in the Old Testament, what does he say? He says that my, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. He's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. So it's not a certain few, it's all flesh. And because it's being poured out on all flesh, that means all flesh are going to participate in everything that the Holy Spirit is doing. And that is including uh, the miraculous. Okay, so um, I, I don't want to be combative and get into arguments with people who disagree with me because that's not my job. They, you can believe what you want out there. But for us, what we believe as a, a charismatic church is, is we believe that the Holy Spirit is the same as he first came in, in 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts. So I believe he's doing the same things when he finds people who are standing in unity and he finds people who are kingdom-minded, which is what we've been talking about. This idea of being kingdom-minded is not to is not to do anything else but to bring us into position of unity. And so when we were talking about kingdom-minded, we were talking about the things not to be, what interferes with that. We're talking about our uh, things that we have, the lenses from which, our mindsets from which we understand and preview the world. It filters the world through us. And so we've talked about it's political. We've talked about, you know, the other things you know the other lenses that people look through we've talked about selfishness and that the world revolves around me and all my needs and stuff like that and sometimes christians are uh, that are selfish are praying all about their needs instead of things that are really on god's heart and so we we've been through that we've talked about the idea of political that that jesus is not a democrat or a republican he's a kingdom and so there are things there are things of the kingdom on both sides of of that political tale I hope you know that. We're going to we're going to talk about that in a in a little while about there's kingdom stuff on each side of the thing. And the problem is is that God's people who are supposed to be kingdom minded have focused on one aspect that's in one political party and ran after that and then called that everything that they do the Lord's work. And that's not true. By any stretch of the imagination So what kingdom people are going to do are going to be right here and they're going to say from this side of the political aisle, I notice that this is kingdom because this matches up with the heart of God. And on this side of the aisle, I see that this is kingdom and I'm going to take this and I'm going to put this right here. And so I'm going to be a kingdom person. I'm not going to be a political person. What would happen if the church really understood this whole idea about the kingdom and started gathering Together and moving in unity. You think about that. Yeah. Political parties would get the left foot of fellowship right out the door. They really would. Because there would be no division in the church when she stands up and recognizes what's kingdom and pursues that. Okay. So, in... in understanding the things about the kingdom there's there's a lot of things that we're going to be going through that uh, about the kingdom that jesus talks about jesus explains the kingdom he's he, through his parables and everything and we're going to go through those and talk about not all of them today we're going to pick one today and and then we're going to throughout the the rest of our time the next few sundays we're going to go through this and, and ben's going to help us with that as well too um okay so open your bibles to uh Matthew chapter 10. All right. Matthew chapter 10 started out. It says, when he had called the 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these, and you'll go through. Uh, there's a couple things. Uh, if you remember, if you, if you have come to... Um, Sunday school in the past Ben was teaching a Sunday school many years ago and he came across this thing and he had mentioned in his Sunday school and it was very true and very real and I hope you caught it and it stayed with you the difference in the very first part of of this thing where he recalls the disciples to them him but when he gives them power Matthew says now these were the names of the apostles so as you grow in your one-on-one, there is a transfer between you from disciple to apostle. Not apostle in the gifting sense, the office sense. Just, just sense, not like you're all going to be like the 12 apostles in, in that sense. What I'm saying is, is that there comes a time in when you're discipling someone that they have received all that they need to receive, and now they need to go out, which means be sent. And so they're going to be sent out to do the things that they were discipled in doing, okay? So uh, apostles really just, really just means one being sent, right? And so a lot of what we consider, if there were modern-day apostles today, and, and I believe there are, a lot of them are, are rest on the mission field. They may not know it, but they've been discipled and they're being sent, Right, So that is a great example of, of being sent, of going to do the work of the Lord, which is exactly what the Twelve did when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit came, and then pff, they went out to the other parts of the world. So Jesus prophesied it, spoke it into them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they dispersed. Now, there is the office of apostle, and that's where people on different sides of the aisle get a little hinky about, do those really exist? And I would say, yes. In, in, a, in a limited fashion, which means that there were some things that the apostles did in the first century, like writing scripture through their letters, and they knew they were writing scripture that modern day apostles would not do. We don't, we don't need that. But as far as being um, uh, uh, an apostle in every other sense of the word, then yeah, I, those are out there. We may, may call them different gifts or whatever like that, but so what we're talking about here today is is the difference between a disciple and then once you're finished being discipled, you're sent. Now you say, are we ever done being a disciple? Uh, yeah, you are. There comes a time when you're with somebody and you're 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 under them in the sense of like this personal discipleship where they've given you all they can. See, discipleship has to have a purpose. Otherwise, it's a fellowship group. So we gather together in the church, and and that's something different. But when we talk about discipleship, there's going to come a time that if I'm discipling somebody, I'm always going to be their friend. We're always going to, it's not that we're going to stop hanging out or going out the net, but there comes a time where I have given you everything that you need, and now you have to stop. Because that discipleship stuff are the elementary principles, are the milk, and, and the building blocks for you to become what God has called you to be. And at some point, you've got to move on, and you've got to start walking in that yourself. That doesn't mean you stop listening. It just means the, the, the idea of, of, of discipleship, of you learning everything you possibly can to do what God has called you to do. At some point, that's going to end, and you're going to be released to go on. I, I can't disciple somebody forever because there's a lot more people to be discipled. Are you getting it? And so when I put that offer out on the table and somebody comes in to be discipled, it's not going to be for the rest of your life. It's going to be for, who knows? the, The disciples, guys, were with Jesus for three years and then he left and said, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will come. Go here and pray. And they did and that's exactly what happened. And then they went and did everything that they were taught to do by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So there comes a time. I can't disciple one person for 20 years. I can't do that. I disciple you for a short amount of time, and then you've got to take what I've given. That doesn't mean you can't come back and say, hey, I started doing this. Am I, am I doing this right? Yeah, I think you're doing great. Or, am I doing this right? A little correction here, but you got that set, now keep on going. There's those types of things. But you're not gonna you're not gonna keep coming back to me to learn the same things that I've already taught you. At some point you've got to put into practice those things. And if you're discipling somebody, and you should be. You wanna know why we don't disciple? It's because we don't have any new people. We don't have any converts. You want to know why discipleship is is hard in the church? It's because we have transfer growth. We don't have new growth. And when somebody is transferred from another church that they've been in there for 20 years, there's a few things, maybe spiritual gift-wise, you can be able to teach them, but that's a short amount of time. So the reason discipleship sometimes is weak in the church is because we're not going after new people, seeing converts and then discipling them. And I'm going to tell you something. New recruits are the best disciples they really are. New converts are the best disciples because they don't know anything. But they've got this passion that's been deposited by the Holy Spirit. And they, they'll suck the life right out of you, man. They will. And that's so appeasing and exciting to me. Isn't it to you? To know that someone who knows nothing about the gospel but God has touched and they, they get this thing about Jesus and they want it and now they want everything, and, and sometimes when that has happened, instead of pouring ourselves into that, we've gone, whoa, 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 whoa. Settle down. Get a little practical stuff working. You know, don't, don't get that fire too contagious because you don't know what you're doing. Instead of saying, I love the passion, I love the fire that's within you, let's get some godly wisdom involved with that and then sick them. Those people... Those people will start a Holy Spirit wildfire if we let them, right? And all it takes, and so you've been discipled. I can't disciple you in how to be an evangelist anymore. A lot of you people have been coming here for longer than I have. I have nothing to give you when it comes to evangelism. You know it. The issue now is go do it. Go do it. Don't sit around waiting for when the heavens are going to crack and he's going to come back because there's no rewards in that. I think that all rhymed. Crack back that. That's pretty good. Didn't even, Anyway, we'll continue. Don't tuck and cover about when, where, or how, blah, blah, blah. Just take as many people with you when that day finally comes. You want to have a legacy that looks back and a trail of people who were, who were, who were caught the fire, who, who believed in Jesus and caught fire and then went and did other things. You want to have that spiritual legacy in your life. You don't want to have a spiritual legacy of, of just, well, went to church for 20 years. Where who is the last person that you talked to about Jesus? Who is the last person that you won to the Lord? and a hush fell over the crowd. Right? Because it's convicting. Because for some of us, it might have been, uh, could have been a couple years. Could have been. It may have, yeah, I don't know. Could have, yeah. See, this, if, if we're going to have, this, this is what opens up heaven, people. Is us doing what we know God has called us to do. preaching the gospel, doing everything that, that, that God has spoke, everything that has been filled in us, we pour out into others. I'm gonna tell you something. We, we got people that are, that are walking away from the gospel for a lot of different reasons. Maybe lack of discipleship. Maybe just one of those things where they were of us, but then they left us, so maybe they were never of us. I don't know. I can't find the lines in that so well. I don't know. But I do know this, that there are hungry people out there. The harvest is plentiful. Jesus proclaimed it. The harvest is plentiful out there. He's just looking for workers. So even Jesus identified that the hardest thing about the gospel is the people who already have it, whether they'll do it or not. Amen. Because there's people out there ready. They're ready. Ready to be plucked right off the vine. They're probably going to ask you questions. I mean, it's a pretty crazy sad day when Jesus recognizes how lazy I am and then just brings them to me. (laughs) Okay, maybe I should. You know what I'm saying? Like, would you at least say something even if you're on your couch? Yes. Yes. Yes we will. Just get up and do. So this is what he's doing with his his twelve apostles, disciples slash apostles. This is a training session. He's like, and this is and this is what the wow and this is what the Lord said. Okay. He says, uh he uh these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying uh, do not go to the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of Samaria but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel well that seems a little rough right I mean for crying out loud even Jesus went to the Gentiles and Samaritans Samarians right I mean he he the Samarian woman the woman at the at the well right the the woman you know begging you know to heal I think her was their daughter and she's like can't give what is holy to dogs She's like yes but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table right and he's so moved by her faith and blah 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 so even jesus did that so why is he saying hey i don't want you to go to the gentiles i want you to go into that stuff i want you to stay and minister to the house of israel israel's people well, that seems a little exclusive right not until you understand that Jesus' whole life is is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies about him. And so if you understand a few of the Old Testament prophecies that are about him, then you understand why he's he's doing what he's doing. And one of the Old Testament prophecies is going to be, well, we'll do uh, Jeremiah fifty six, verse 50, verse 6. He says, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from the mountain to the hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All who found them devoured them. And their adversary said, Uh, we have offended because they have sinned against the Lord and the habitation of justice the Lord the hope of their fathers. so there's this whole thing in Jeremiah where Jeremiah is saying man the sheep are gone because the shepherds aren't doing what they're supposed to do at all you look over here at Ezekiel uh, 34 Ezekiel is going to lay their hammer down too Uh, Ezekiel is going to say here the word of the Lord came to him verse 34 son of man prophesy against the shepherds of Israel right prophesy and say to them thus says the Lord God to the shepherds woe to the shepherds of Israel who feeding themselves should not the shepherds feed the flocks right you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool you slaughter the fatlings but you do not feed the flock the weak you have not strengthened nor have you healed those who were sick nor bound up the broken nor brought back what was driven away nor sought what was lost but with force and cruelty you have ruled them now, listen, it goes on a little farther, but listen to what the Lord says after he. See, the Lord is going to identify the, the problem. He always does. He identifies the problem, and then he's going to bring a solution. So, this is what's wrong. And, then the, and therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord in verse 7. As I live, says the Lord God, surely. Because my flock became prey and my flock became food, every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but uh, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God: Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them uh, to cease feeding sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will devour. I will deliver my flock from their mouths that they may no longer be food for them indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out what he's saying is that I'm sick of what the shepherds back here the holy people who were called to shepherd the flock they're not doing it and because of that what Ezekiel says the Lord says is I'm going to come down and I'm going to shepherd them myself So, now we understand why Jesus describes himself as the great shepherd in the Gospel of John. Why? Because he is fulfilling the prophecy of Ezekiel and what Jeremiah had said about what was happening to the shepherds. They weren't taking care of the flock. So he, Jesus, being God, comes down himself to fulfill the role as the great shepherd. And the first thing he's going to do is he's going to go to the the house of Israel. He's going to go to them because to them were first given the principles. Of, of God. And so he's going to go to them, seek them, bring them. And guess what? They'll either accept or reject the shepherd. And what we find is that the majority of Israel as a nation had rejected the Messiah that was given from God to fulfill the prophecy of bad shepherds to a good shepherd. And so because, but they rejected that and they'll reject it and so what happens is is now we've gone here we've preached the message and later on down the road there's going to be a little guy called Saul who uh, is persecuting the church hates their guts meets Jesus gets lit on fire he already has the knowledge because he was, he was raised and grown, up, grown in Judaism but, but now all, all his entire theology gets changed by one chance encounter with Jesus I'm going to tell you something Jesus will change your theology and he'll, he can do it in an instant in an instant the problem is is we define what we define what Jesus does a lot of times by what we don't see happening you get what I'm saying well I don't see this happening I don't see that happening I don't think say blah 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 well let me tell you something have you put yourself in position for those things to happen because if you're a fat lazy shepherd you're not going to see anything you're not going to see anything If you've been discipled so much so that you're spiritually fat but not spiritually exercising, what should you expect to see? What? See, a lot of times in the church we want to see great things, but we don't want to be obedient on the front part of that. I've called you to go. Be there in a second. Let's see some more frills. What? No, 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 no. See, the stuff happens in the vineyard. When you, when you go out to the vineyard to, to seek a harvest, you're going to see dynamic things happen. Because the gifts that God has given are not about a circus or a carnival act that we just come together in four walls and, and see what happens now, right? The gifts are for the equipping so that while you're out there, In the vineyard harvesting you'll have everything you'll need to do it and be successful at it it's not hard it's not even rocket science it's just obedience all right so we're not going into Samaria he's not going to Samaria he's not going to the house of Israel because that's coming and some of them will do that but most of that a lot of that's also going to be reserved for a guy by the name of Saul who we're going to change his name to Paul after a cha- after a meeting with God he says but as you preach now this is this is the sign people of the kingdom this is the signs of the kingdom i didn't say it it's not me who made it up this is the word of god and Everybody who's a Christian values the Word of God. It's the Word, right? You can't accept some of it. You have to accept all of it. Some people want to accept some of it because they don't want to do all of it. But you have to accept all of it so that you can do all of it, all right? We'll figure out that phrase later. Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. As you go preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. And the proof of that. Is you heal the sick. You heal the sick. Second thing you're gonna do is you're gonna cleanse the lepers. Let's leave that up to Mother Teresa. Third thing is you're gonna raise the dead. Fourth is you're going to cast out demons. I don't think we should be going anywhere else until we see this happening within us. If we're not seeing this stuff happen, I don't think the issue is on God's side. I think the issue is on our side remember we have not because we ask not and when we ask for it we don't get it why? because we spend it on our own pleasures we don't want to give glory to God we want God to give glory to us oh he's got a ministry Spirit fingers pow pow awesome foolishness foolishness okay this is a sign of the kingdom is at hand Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely have you received and freely you give. It's so simple that a child could do it, which is why he tells you to come like a child. Because children just do a lot of times what their daddy says. Hey, jump, I'll catch you. Wee! You ever, I mean, if you're not careful, you know, and you're not watching and your kids get, you know, are in that, small mode of time where they trust everything you say, take advantage of that, um, they'll jump, expect you to catch them, maybe when you're not even looking. Right? You're just like, and all of a sudden, you get hit from the back, you get hit from the side, because they're trusting you to catch them, or whatever, stuff like that, and you've know, you got to wrangle yourself to make sure you don't drop your kids, or this, that, and the other. Well, that, see, that's the type of faith that he's asking you to come to him with. Run, jump, because he's never going to miss you. It's never going to be unexpected with him. So he's asking you, as, as believers to come as children with that same type of faith that your kids have that will run and jump and you will catch them. Now, it may be kind of, you know, your kids are like, well, it's kind of high, but once they do it, then it becomes like, oh, wow, this is awesome. There's no fear anymore. I'm just going to keep jumping and dad's going to keep catching. That's the type of faith that, that our father is looking for from us. Just keep jumping. He's going to catch you. You say, what am I jumping for? It's as simple as this. Trust him at what he's given you and what he's called you to do. That's jumping. That's the first thing. Forget about traveling. Forget about the world. Forget about missions for a second. Just trust him with what you have right in front of you first and then watch what happens after that because everything begins with that first step of trust. And you're like, oh, oh, he did catch me. And his catching is, is, not, is not like to make you feel, you know, safe and protected. I'm not talking about the American idea of, of Christianity. I'm talking about real first century faith of what he's calling for us, out of us. It, actually, it's his faith that he's required of us has never changed. We've changed it. Okay, So you're going to heal the sick, you're going to cleanse the lepers, you're going to raise the dead, you're going to cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Right? If it's happened here, it should be going out into there. Okay, moving on here, he says, Now provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. So what is he talking about there? He's like, listen... Don't grab a bunch of stuff. You don't need a whole lot of things from the world. Part of the things you're going to trust him with is what you need for the moment. So don't grab these massive backpacks and stuff all your stuff in them that are going to make you feel comfortable on the road. You know, like a camel. You got the big hump on your back. You're loading Think, No, no, no. Like, you, these are the things you can trust God for. He's like, when you begin to do what God has called you to do, you can trust God to provide for you all the things you're going to need for the journey he's called you to take. These are, the trust, these are the trust issues. You can jump on that because he's going to catch you. Because he said he would. And he is not a liar. So I can trust him to take that stuff. So he said, listen, I don't want you to be distracted with the cares and the things of the world because if I take a bunch of supplies with me, I'm always going to be worried, okay, this supply is going to run out. I need to make sure. Well, listen, I know we're supposed to go to Antioch, but I really need some, some food, some flaxseed or whatever, and I know they got a lot of it over here at Tarsus or whatever, so we'll get to Antioch. but Let's go over here and get rep-. He doesn't want you to worry about that stuff. He wants you to go exactly where he's called you to go so that you can do what he's called you to do. And listen, he's providing everything for you. See, to the American Christian, that's not practical. To the biblical Christian, that's easy. You gotta focus on the kingdom and not on this other stuff. Okay, so uh, whatever city or town Oh, yeah, yeah, now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who is, in the, who is worthy. Stay there until you go out. And, if you, and when you go into a household, great, greet it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And so um, what is he talking about there? So in the, in the Middle East, it's very common for uh, and expected that if you were a traveler and you for lodging, that people would open their house to you. It's, it's, it, it's common. You've heard these stories. Um, um, uh, uh, soldiers figure this stuff out in Afghanistan and stuff like that. I remember it was one movie based on a true story where because the soldier was a, um, looking for lodging, his, his whole SEAL group was, was killed, and he, was, and he came in, and they took him in because it was the custom, and they protected him against the Taliban who were searching for him. Now, the Taliban were this, this guy's own countrymen, but because of the tradition of bringing in uh, strangers and protecting them under your shelter of protection, he stood against those who were coming to kill the soldier. And so in the Middle East, a lot of, it's the same type of how it would be. And so what Jesus is saying is like, listen, when you come into the house, and they are worthy, and they've accepted you, they've received you, and your peace can be upon it. But if they don't, then, then take your peace with you because they're not honoring. They're not honoring, right? They're not worthy of it. And also also the words that you are going to be speaking to them about Jesus, about the Messiah. That's all included in all that. If I'm speaking these things to you, and they receive them. Great. Because when you receive Jesus, people, you receive Peace. It's not the peace of the world. It is the peace that comes from being set apart from the Father. And now Jesus brings that together. He's the bridge. You were away from the Father. You were at enmity or war with him. But Jesus is the bridge that brings peace between the Father and you. And the Father was asking for that to happen. The Father was looking for reconciliation. And the only way that could happen was through Christ. Okay. Okay. He says here um, later down that to, starting in verse, um, well, we'll start with 16. But he's going to be talking about persecutions that are going to be happening for those who are doing the kingdom business, right? So you're going to have trials. You're going to have persecutions. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to go through stuff. I'm not talking necessarily about the great tribulation. I'm going to talk about the tribulations and trials that come by just being a kingdom man or woman you're going to have them because there's you 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 are you are for a kingdom whose king is Jesus but the world was was in bondage to a different kingdom of kingdom of darkness that was once ruled by Satan now he's lost he's been cast out he doesn't have any authority because that authority's been given to you because Jesus has taken it and he's given it to you so that the enemy doesn't have any authority that doesn't mean he doesn't have power he's got things that he can use to deceive he can all these different kinds of stuff but he doesn't have really any authority which is why it's important to understand that the only authority that is really important in the world today is the authority that has been given to you by Christ look, look I'm giving you authority look what he says at the beginning He says, uh, he called his disciples together. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. So he's giving them power here to do that, right? In the book of Acts, it's authority. So what is happening here is that the authority that you have is now been given by Christ to operate and regulate the power. Remember, we've talked about before that when, if you stand up here and if, if I have a police officer standing right here and he's in his uniform and he's dressed out with everything that it comes with, he's going to have a lot of things. He's going to have a belt and on that belt is going to be a gun, ammunition, uh, taser or mace and everything, whatever. That is power. That's his power. His authority is the badge. There's a badge that's going to be sitting right here on his, right next to his heart. And that badge is going, is giving him authority to execute whatever needs to be executed law-wise or to bring lawbreakers in. That badge gives him authority to execute the power that needs to happen to protect the laws and to protect people. Now, if you've ever noticed, we've had a lot of people that come out on the news who have pretended to be police officers, Right. And they may have even had a a gun and they would stop people. And the problem is, is they didn't have the authority to do that. And because they didn't have the authority and they got caught, they got penalized. They went to jail, right? I have given you all authority and with authority comes power. Some people are seeking a power but don't want to have anything over them. cannot you cannot operate in in power if you are not under authority or have authority okay and so the the uh, this whole idea of uh, of what he's talking about here is 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 authority and power the balance of it and there are some people who try to act out in power but are not willing to be under his authority and stuff like that and I don't know where the lines are and how all that works. All I know is what the Word of God says, and I want to align myself up with the Word of God. I don't need to try and figure out why some things work the way they do, blah, blah, blah. That God's got that. it's going to deal with that. I am looking at the Word of God, and the first thing I'm doing is wanting to align myself up with its principles and what he says for me and to teach them. Okay. Now, he's going to send you out as, as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore as wise servants and, and harmless as doves. Beware of them, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, a testimony to them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. Now, this is going to happen to these guys. Not necessarily right here. But later on in the book of Acts, when they get released, there's going to be a lot of things coming against them. And so the enemy is going to be organizing whatever he organizes to come against, <coughs> to stop, to try and stop what God is, is doing. So there is a cosmic battle. And it's not, it's not an equal battle. It's not like there's God on one side and the devil on the other and they've got equal power and who's going to win. That, that's not it at all. There is God and God only. Now, there's an antagonist who's way down here on the list, who's trying to thwart things, who's trying to do some blah, 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 this, that, and the other, you name it, whatever. But he is not on an equal playing field as, as God. As a matter of fact, Jesus' whole purpose when he's come was to destroy the works of the devil. Why? Because he can, and very easily, and he's given you power and authority to do the exact same thing, first and foremost in your own life. Because a lot of times we have authority structures or wrong mindsets whether it be not be kingdom or not be a biblical worldview and the first thing you've got to do is you've got to use the power of God through the authority of God to destroy your wrong mindsets in your own life. Yes? Yes. Because there's a lot of wrong thinking out there. There's a lot of wrong Ideologies about how this is supposed to work out, whether it's me-focused or whether it's political-focused or or whatever—you have got to destroy wrong thinking, and you can. It's not hard; it's really not. Once you start getting into the Word of God and aligning the, the 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 right thinking and adopting that, then you start picking out what doesn't fit. Just like what doesn't fit in the kingdom. You're going to find out what doesn't, what's not supposed to fit in your thinking because it doesn't line up with what the Word of God says. You're being renewed. You're into the man you're called to be. You've been renewed and you're being renewed. And part of that battle is to, is to looking within yourself and finding those things that are speaking to you that are not of the Lord. People, I'm telling you, this is not... This is Christianity 101. You have got to allow the Lord to destroy and bring down those things that have kept you in bondage. And just because you're used to it doesn't mean it's still not detrimental to your growth. Like, well, I got this lump on my back. It hurts every time I touch it, but other than that, when I'm standing, it doesn't. I'm not going to worry about it can't sleep though Can't. you deal with stuff that you find on your body that's not right you go to the doctor you want to make sure it's not cancer you want to make sure it's not this if something's not right within your body we're going to get an operation we're going to take a pill we're going to get it set but when it comes to your spiritual makeup eh hurts too much Jesus doesn't want me to feel bad man come on some of us are walking around with a spiritual type of cancer that's been that, that comes from wrong thinking. And you're sitting at a table and 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 you're you're being fed this stuff by by the wrong kingdom and you're taking it. You gotta you gotta stand up. You know how hard it is. Sometimes when your children are growing up and you're watching them do things, right? But there comes a time. I experienced this with my first daughter, Kelsey. You know, I just, you're worried about every little thing they did. their babies, right? You're, you're worried about them like, oh my gosh, careful, careful. But there comes a time when you realize there are going to be some things that they have to learn on themselves. Because they're, you know, and so I've got, I've got to let them grow and experiment. I've got, you know, I'm not going to let them, you know, drive an 18-wheeler, obviously, but, you know, there comes things where, well, listen, I've told you not to do that. You, you've got to experience these things. You've got, listen, it's, it's the same in the spiritual realm, except what you've got to do is you, you've got to start testing out your spiritual legs. You've got to start, start walking I remember those first steps. They were like this, watching my children walk. And you're like, oh, they're going to bang into this. They're going to bang into that. You know, they're going to have head trauma when they grow old. I, Oh, my gosh. Put them, in a, put them in bubble wrap, whatever. You know, you're freaking out. But it's a part of the process of growing up. And if I shut that down in them, if you shut that down in your children, and you're always there and blah, 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 then the only thing they learn to do is trust that you'll take care of everything for them. And that's how some people are thinking about God. I'll just sit here and, and he'll do everything. You've got to start testing your spiritual legs. You've got to start walking. you got to start, there'll be, there'll be times, uh, listen, I'm telling you this, there'll be times when you're at the grocery store and you're, you're, you know, you're behind somebody and instead of getting mad because they have so much, look for opportunities of what the kingdom may be trying to do here oh man, I've got three things. And she got there first. She's got like 90. Couldn't let me go first. Just take a step back. You're not that important. Your time's not that important. Listen to see for opportunities. And you're going to find opportunities when these two people are going to be talking about stuff. And you're the answer to that conversation. One was in Walmart. And the lady was like, I don't know, I was talking to uh, another lady that I know who's a Christian. We were just having this conversation and she was making, she's like, man, you must be having a party. I'm like, I'm just buying groceries. I buy them once a month, whatever. She's like, they got into children talking. She's like, oh my gosh, my children are heathens and I tell them that. Just the way they act and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, they're going to be exactly what you prophesy over your children. You're going to have times like that when you'll be able to speak life I'm not talking it's it's not going to be an altar call so don't worry you know middle of Walmart you're not going to call them forth but you have a chance in that instance to interject kingdom stuff that can change the trajectory of where they're going maybe you're planting or maybe you're watering and if you look for those opportunities you will find them they're that simple another one uh, this one I missed Another one was like, uh, this lady, I don't know if it's the same lady or not. I don't know, I get confused. I shop a lot. Anyway, she's, oh, she was going slow. She was a one-headed checker. You know, and at the busy time of the store, that's, that's not good, right? But she's, she's got her arm in a sling, and she's like, I've had trouble with my arm my entire life clink, clink, clink. And I'm like, Jesus healed that other arm. (laughs) Right? But there's a chance there where maybe he was saying, maybe not so you can just get through the line faster. But what if he wants to touch that woman where she's at? Because she declared, I've had trouble my entire life with this arm and it's standing in the sling. And what if a kingdom minded person went up and said, Hey, man, in the name of Jesus, be healed? And what if her arm was healed right then and there? And what if she could do some things that she could never do before? You might have an altar call right there in Walmart. You definitely have a chance to give glory to Jesus because he may have touched that. He, Lady's arm, if kingdom-minded people will recognize those opportunities and stop saying things like, I'm not a good speaker, I'm not a good this, and I'm not a good that, and the Eeyore syndrome, I don't have my tail, you know. Man, the biggest problem with the church, if we want to start naming demons, is the spirit of Eeyore. Nobody likes me. Nobody said anything to me. Maybe it's because it's all about you. Get out of that thinking. If you want people to talk to you, you're going to have to open your mouth and speak to other people. You reap what you sow. You can't live your whole life trying to be isolated and come to church once a Sunday and be upset that nobody talks to you. You're only living out your own prophecy pathetic prophecy you getting this kingdom stuff I hope so alright we're going to close the book here so he says you're going to face these trials and temptations and listen um, we're, gonna, we're getting to the point where we as a church might see some of this stuff happen just might you're, you, there's always the people who don't want to hear what we say and they're going to laugh at us they're going to call us stupid whatever they're, whatever that is I'm seeing that from people on Facebook who used to be in the faith and now are just jackrabbits all over And the only thing they know how to do is they knew so much about their faith is, and now because they're not following it, they're using, they're using that against Christians. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's not even good. It's not even smart. Here's, here's the thing. Those, do not let those who are not following the Father Try to describe the Father to you. They don't get it. They don't know it, and so don't listen to it. Don't even enter, let it enter into your mind. People who don't know the Father that are trying to explain the Father to you, kick it to the side. It's just garbage. Bless them, but at some point you may have to shake the dust off your feet with those people. Not. I, I want them to come back to the Lord, but there comes a time when. If they're not going to repent or return, there's a time where you've got to let them be. And it's not easy. Okay. So your brother will deliver brother to death, father his children, children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death, and I you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute in the city, flee to another. So he's telling you all these things that are going to happen, but listen, all the while staying kingdom-minded in the midst of everything that happens. You can expect trials and tribulations, but you should also expect victory. Victory. Because you've already won. You're just walking it out. You've already won. From heaven's perspective, you've already won. You're just walking your victory out through this earth, showing it to others and and showing people how to live in victory as well through Christ. So let's, together, let's walk and stand in victory. You've won people, walk it out. Don't let the enemy build up stuff in your thinking to keep you from it. Don't let any of this junk happen, you've won. You're not looking to be free, you are free. You're not waiting for something to happen, you are what's going to happen. It's not going to be something externally. It's going to be something internally that's going to come out from you. There are going to be times when you're going to speak things prophetically into this reality. Do you want that? Do you want to see your the entire atmosphere change? Because it does. When kingdom people who know the king and know their purpose and know their job, when they come into the room, they bring that authority with them. There are times when you will walk into places where it will be dark and cold and demonic, but if you're full of him and his kingdom, they ran from him, they'll run from you. Because you carry the same thing He did. It's like, how do you know? Because He gave it to us. He didn't give it to you so you could run away. He gave it to you so you could walk in the power and humility of like He did and then execute His will on the earth. But we've got, I mean, my goodness. How many? How many people? How many? Videos? Do you see marketed today about people getting themselves into shape? Power 90X, Insanity, Pilates. You name it. There's, there's literally like thousands of different things for people to help get them into shape, right? Physically. This is what gets you into shape spiritually. And that's what we need. We need, we need a, forgive me, Holy Spirit Richard Simmons to come out here and say, go get them! You can do this. Longer shorts, but you can do this. You can do this. You've been given everything. Exercise it. Run with it. He's going to be with you every step of the way. Be kingdom-minded. Be kingdom-focused. And watch as you will experience a massive harvest when you open up your mouth and let Him speak through you. It's going to happen. The only condition is whether you'll let it happen through you or not. Because if it doesn't, it'll happen through somebody else. And we stand at the threshold of either being a church that God speaks through and uses, or being a church that watches things happen in other churches and wonder why it doesn't happen here. I'm not going to be that church. You're not going to be that church. So here's your assignment. Uh, I, I know there's COVID, and, but uh, at some point we've we found a way. To still go out to dinner or still, you know, whatever. Some of you may be going out to dinner today, whether it be in Clinton or wherever. You're going to come into contact with people who don't know Jesus, whether it be your server. Maybe your server does know Jesus, but she just needs to be encouraged. I'm, I'm declaring right now, Jesus, give this body opportunities today and this week to be kingdom-minded and to be kingdom focused, and to sick them, Lord. Because there are people out there that need to be healed, there are people that need to be saved, there are people that need to be delivered, and there are people that need to be raised from the dead spiritually, as well as physically. Amen? Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at Aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.